Hey everyone, welcome back for the second episode of the UVRR podcast, hosted by Lindy Brock and myself, Danielle Gruden. Thanks for making it back here to listen to the second part of the two-part series on infertility. We really appreciate the notes, texts, emails, etc. that have come in from you all in regards to this series. Um, It's really been amazing to see not only so many people um, finding strength through the podcast, relating to the podcast, but also um, just wanting to get to know Des and um, excited to hear her story. So thank you for all the love. We, We hope that this continues to shine some light on the issue of infertility as it pertains to PCOS and also provide some information for those of you that are experiencing something similar. As we begin this episode, uh, Desi continues to describe her journey and how she ultimately comes to the conclusion of what's next on her radar and how she and Joel decide to move forward and build their family. Um, so with that being said, uh, let's just hop into it. distraught yeah what's your day-to-day like with your husband like is he confronting it is he like trying to help is he avoiding because he's got his own thing going on (sighs) so I watched this um comedy stand-up routine and he was describing a woman's brain versus a man's brain and a man's brain is full of drawers (laughs) and he could put the problem in the drawer and close the drawer in a woman's mind, it's floating all around your head all the time, <laughs> like it's always there. So for me, it said sad on my forehead. It said sad on my heart. It said sad on all of my limbs. It was everywhere. And Joel seemed fine. And so that was its own issue. He wasn't fine, but he seemed fine. And also, he didn't really want to talk about it. So I would come home and say, you know, WTF, guess who's pregnant? Uh. Like someone who never wanted kids, hates kids. One of my coworkers say, because I work with, you know, 35 women. (laughs) And she comes to work and says she's pregnant while she's drinking her Diet Coke. Oh, gosh. You know? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I'm just like, you're kidding. And I would come home. And I'd be like, oh, that, you know, meh. He's so mad. And he would be like, shut down. He wouldn't even talk about it. Where I needed to, like, vent. Yeah, right. To the only person who understood. And he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. And that, you know, we realized later was just his way of dealing with it where I needed to talk. Right. And he needed to not talk. Right. So that was a a turn in our marriage. So as you continued through this journey, how did you guys, how did you continue as a team and how did you continue? Well, if I'll be totally honest, we had to get to a pretty dark place. And I think that just talking to so many people, you 
a lot of people that had trouble with infertility end up getting divorced. Right. Even after they've had three kids. They never worked through it. Mm Mm-hmm. And I wasn't going to allow that. Right. We needed to work through it. So we would get in these really strange fights that made no sense. Just suddenly he would be really angry. And it turned into like, you know, here we are in Europe. It's his 30th birthday. And this was, you know, a year ago, right about this time. We're in Barcelona. We're at this beautiful tapas bar and he gets really mad about something that I don't imagine he should be that mad about because he's not somebody who gets angry ever. And it turned into, it all came back to not being able to conceive or, you know, successfully have a child. And I had to look at him and give him an out like you know babe I give you permission to not be married to me you have permission to be married to someone who's not crazy yeah and who's not sad right and who can give you children and do you want to stay with crazy me or do you not And I think that was a big turning point because then he realized his part in things. And I wasn't just the only crazy person. Right. And that's when things shifted the other direction where we both just broke and realized, like, we're soulmates. And it would be a travesty to lose each other. Wake up to the sound of your fleeting heart Wake up to the sound of your fleeting heart When you go It's so amazing to hear of these these struggles, these sincere, like, high-level struggles. Like, it's not like these like oh we got in a fight it's not like these like these are real real issues um within your relationship that you guys were able to say I love you enough to keep going yeah oh yeah or to let you or to let you leave if you want to leave right totally and I think that he had to have permission he needed to know like I will never trash you to anybody right like I love you dearly and I completely understand that I'm a basket case. Yeah. And that has to suck. And I'm sorry. Yeah, because not even to, like, decide to stay and, like, have or have not have kids, but then to also deal with your with your mental struggle as well. Because that right. could be something that could drive someone away. They could be like, you know what, I can, I can wait to have kids or we can figure right. this out. But, like, a whole other layer to it is just your mental stability as you right. go through it. And it's like... Yeah. It's like um, you get used to being with this one type of person. You meet this type of person. And then, like, a couple years into your your relationship, your marriage, they change drastically. And you're just like, who is this person? Where is the person I fall in love with? And, like, where are they? Or they don't change. Right. And all of those things you thought were so amazing and attractive 
now when you're going through this hard spot, they're that same calm, level-headed, yeah, it ain't no thing yeah. kind of person when you're just like, oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh. it was my mom. Um, yeah, maybe a year into our marriage when I called and I was just like, ah, he's so calm. People take advantage of him. He's so nice. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, that's why you fell in love with him. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, where is the issue? Yeah. Like, all the girls dating like, assholes across America are like, like uh, please, is please this, stop is, talking. Is this girl for real right now? <laughs> Yep, exactly. <laughs> They're like writing handwritten notes right now. They're like, dear job. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so you have your breakthrough with him and you you decide you're gonna figure this out together. And so Yeah, then- we decided what's the next step? And we could in a level headed way decide do we go to the specialist? And If we do do IVF, what does that look like? Can we, as a unit, go through IVF with how dark and difficult this has been so far? Can we go there? Right. Just because the technology is there, can we go there? Well, and I think, too, another battle that you went through, and I'm just saying this because I know you are super healthy, super natural, super, I mean, you don't like to put substances Anything, into your body yeah. that is you don't believe in. Exactly. So that was another hard part that both of I had, both of us had to go through was we didn't feel IVF in our hearts. Right. I wanted this mini Joel. And that was the obsession. Right. And I wanted to be pregnant so much. I wanted to feel life inside of my body. And I wanted to breastfeed. I wanted to have natural labor. I wanted to feel every second. But was that worth more than my marriage could we go there and so we we went to the first appointments I had some really painful tests done which I think any woman who's had IVF would tell you those preliminary test rounds are definitely the worst where they take fluid and ink and they flush it up through your uterus and it goes through your fallopian tubes to see, like, where the scar tissue is. Is there a blockage? Anything like that. Right. Wow. And they tell you it's going to hurt. But, but Joel said he's sitting in the waiting room reading a magazine. And he hears just blood-curdling scream. Oh, my God. And everybody in the waiting room gets these big eyes and looks around. Because <laughs> you can hear it clear out there. Yeah. It was bad. And then afterward, I walk out of the room, and it was in the same sentence. And I can't blame these doctors. Like I said, five couples have the same appointment time. Right. She's got to get in and out. In and out. Snap, snap, snap. Right. In one sentence, they switch from my 
percentage of perceived success to money. <laughs> so they're like the next round. And, and keep in mind, this test is about $1,200 out of pocket that I just had that lasted 30 seconds. And I walk out and they say, your percentages are a little bit lower than most women of success. And you need to order these meds from Portland and inject yourself. Uh, And the meds are about a thousand dollars. And then you come in for the appointment. Well, we're harvest your eggs. (laughs) And that's this much money. And then your percentages are right here. And then we're going to do this. And then we're going to implant your embryo. It just. And you're just like, what is this? It was insane. And Joel and I had to go to the car and I just sobbed. And we had to say, what's the end game? Right. Do we do one round, two rounds, five rounds? Do we do this until we're homeless? Yeah. Until we put our house on the market? Do we, you know, start a GoFundMe for people to give us money for this? <laughs> you start honestly, like a Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> how, I don't understand how middle class people, and they do it all the time, spend $100,000 on getting pregnant. Right. And it was a, a shift where we couldn't do it. We had to look at each other and say, does this kid need to be biological? Right. And for him, I mean, it was my issue because I wanted a mini Joel again. But Joel, from, you know, one year in to this journey, was like ready to throw in the towel and adopt. And I was obsessed with, I have to be pregnant. (laughs) And we decided, no, we're not going any farther. And I'm learning, so I'm leaving. And even though I'm grieving, I'm trying to find the meaning. Then lost revealing. At this moment, did you guys indeed decide that the... having getting pregnant and having a biological child stopped and that you were nearing the journey of adoption or was that further down the road what happened was we or I I should say I couldn't imagine cold turkey yeah we'd come all this way and so I thought okay two more months so we had an end date and I, we looked at the calendar and we looked at when my period for September was expected. And I said, when, you know, say September 14th comes. Right. And I start my period. It's over. And in that time, I will have picked out our agency. I will have gotten photos together for a profile and we will switch gears. So in my mind, I was geared toward the adoption process, but I was still waiting for September 14th. Like the pleasant surprise. Yeah. Yes. Like take your eye because off it. Because that was right. the day. Right. And honestly, 
I mean, like I said, we're middle-class people. You know, I'm a hairdresser. He's a nurse. We're comfortable and have a great life. We're not, you know, wanting, but we're definitely, you know, not raking in 300 grand a year. And adoption is incredibly expensive. Right. Like incredibly expensive. And so in my head, I'm thinking maybe it'll happen in the next two months and we don't have to scrape together that money. So it wasn't that at this point I preferred a biological child, but honestly it did make more financial sense. And is it weird to, is it weird to have gone through this whole journey of these miscarriages and these, this syndrome and this fallopian tube pregnancy and all of these things. And then ultimately your decision comes down to, do we have the money to adopt? I mean, you know what I mean? It ends up exactly. And you're, and you've given yourself this two month window. I mean, I just feel like, I mean, it makes total sense. Don't get me wrong. It makes total sense. But then you get, you get to this point where you're just like, and this is what we're deciding on. Right. It's like the tens of thousands of dollars it's going to take. Or this I think it, a lot of people thought that that was a cynical view, but you can't know how you would view that until you have to. Right. And you're looking at, do we spend 20000 on IVF with a 50% chance of success? I mean, would you gamble twenty grand in Vegas right. on a 50% chance of success? Or, or do you spend, you know, upwards of 30,000 on 100% chance right. that's adoption. And it's, we, it really had to come down to finances and what we felt like we needed. And it, it seems so cynical, but we knew getting that kind of money together would be a little bit of a struggle. Right. And it turned out it really wasn't. We, we figured it out. When you really want something, you figure it out. After we had officially decided adoption, you know, September 14th came and went. We were already in the mindset by September 14th. Um, I had another ectopic pregnancy. We had stopped trying completely. And we were geared. We had our consultations. We had our Skype sessions. We knew who our agency was, and I got really sick, and I just wasn't feeling better, and I eventually thought, if I'm going to get through this week of work, I probably need to go to the ER. So I go to the ER on a Monday, and about seven hours later, find out I'm pregnant. Oh, my gosh. So it, it was the nail in the coffin. The right. doctor comes in. And he's like, you're pregnant. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And he's like, well, yeah, you are. Oh, my God. Well, yeah, maybe medically your your test says I am, but I'm not really pregnant. It's somewhere else. It's not right. So you need to find it. I don't want this. And that was a huge step in the direction of adoption because I was so into the adoption that that is what I wanted with every ounce of myself and to have them come in and say you're pregnant 
And for me to be like, please, no. That's not what I want. Right. I want to adopt a baby. Uh, I don't want to be pregnant. So and that's how I knew that we had made the right choice. It was my, my sign. Uh, like, see, you didn't want this. Right. The check wasn't even sent yet. It was written, but it wasn't sent. I could go back. And right. I didn't want to. That's I, awesome. just, I just really, at that point, I felt the adoption in the deepest part of me. about the adoption in in the next um in our next conversation because that's like we said before a, a whole a whole other journey that you've gone through but uh, yeah totally um for this particular journey I mean what were your your takeaways what were the things that you hold in your back pocket what are the things that like you want to hold in your hand and offer to other women and what do you hold in your heart well if you suffer from PCOS, try the diet. There's also um, a supplement called DCI. And DCI stops testosterone production, which is huge with PCOS. That's what, you know, makes you like a hairy man. <laughs> so do DCI. It's expensive. It's going to cost you either 60 or $120 a month depending on your body weight and it's expensive completely worth it I can't even express how worth it that supplement is Um, you can get it on chiralbalance.com that's the purest form they get it from carob trees in Spain so definitely I would go that route as opposed to like amazon.com it right also um, listen to yourself. Yeah. Everybody was a little weird when I said we weren't doing IVF. They looked at me with like big doe eyes, like that, like you could have your own baby. You don't oh. want that. The technology's there, <laughs> but that's not what we wanted. Right. And they were having such a hard time, but like, don't you want to hire a surrogate? Oh, gosh. So it's your own baby? Oh, my gosh. Like, no. And I feel like that's where we're geared right now as a society, as Americans. And I read this staggering statistic. I can't give you the exact statistic, but billions of dollars are spent a year in America on fertility. And there are 140 million orphans in the world. And we're just hooked on biological babies. And I, I couldn't forget that after I read it. So listen to yourself, ladies. <laughs> Ooh, ooh, ooh. 
everyone for joining us for the second episode of this series. Be sure to continue to check bi-weekly as we continue to discuss topics ranging from adoption to owning a business to being a creative wonder woman. Um, If you have any questions about this episode and or would like to send Desi or any of us here at UVRR a note, feel free to reach out. If you have a story you'd like to share, we'd love to hear from you. Um, You can catch us at hello at urbanvibesruralroots.com. Uh, And as always, be sure to stop by the website, check out some of the stories and content we're sharing, um, some of the makers that we're sharing, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Pinterest, and tune in or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Thanks for joining us, and we'll be back streaming in your headphones in two weeks. Bye now. Even though it's hard to think, we'll find your keys in the dark. Stay tuned.